Hello, I'm Dan Aykroyd, and welcome to this fine motion picture emporium. It's nice to know you're here tonight, rather than at home shoving cheap little plastic cartridges into cheap imported video systems that keep you and your family hostage in your own home or apartment. Now, let's face it, big screen entertainment is what it's all about. We've enjoyed it for years. Movies are great. There's nothing like a good movie, or even a bad one for that matter. How you doing? 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 Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. I am Joe Spiegel. And you are? Mike Sutherland. And together we are a couple of average Joes. <laughs> I, I love being cheesy, man. It's awesome. We Just, are a couple of average Joes. Yeah, we're a, we're a couple of average Joes. We're bringing it right Pres- now on the tens. <laughs> <laughs> Traffic and weather together on the tens. Yes. <laughs> Eat snacky smalls. Eat snacky smalls. <laughs> All right. Snacky This is our Resident Evil, the final chapter episode. We will be talking about that fine piece of horrific cinema. <laughs> Horrorific. And uh, it's a thriller. No, it's a horror. We'll talk about my flick, our flicks of the week. Mine is the 2014 film Camp X Ray. Mine is the 2015 animated film. Um, Extraordinary Tales, the Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, there's five Edgar Allan Poe tales. Yes. We'll talk about Which those. is actually on Netflix. I did watch Netflix. Holy shit. All right, good. I watched a whole bunch of Netflix. And then uh, a couple news things uh, popped up on the uh, radar that's worth talking about. We'll get into those. And anything else except politics. No politics on this no show. No politics. Politics blows in more ways than one. In more ways than Monica. Ooh, I like I'm not. Can I copyright that? Sure. Politics blows in more ways than Monica. Trademarked. <laughs> All right. All that and more on Cinescape Movie Reviews. Take it away. Take it away, Rick. <laughs> Come on, Morty. Take it away. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So. Fuck, man. <laughs> I fuck white white boys. <laughs> oh, oh. So you look like a queer. Fuck him right in the butt. <laughs> Suck my dick. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we can't get out of it. We we've been uh, I've been obsessed with Rick and Morty and doing the Morty voice yep. for like the last week and a half now. <laughs> or so yeah we just did a bunch of rick and morty and court stuff so <laughs> and we've been practicing it and uh and like if i if i like a voice i'll get stuck on the voice yeah. and it's, it's very difficult to get out of it's like method acting it's really weird yeah and and it we did the trivia on jesus <laughs> I, I you know it's only 10 minutes long but wow <laughs> it's just funny how it like it starts off really sloppy and then once you get into a rhythm, it, it starts to mostly work. I mean, there's a couple of hiccups, that it, you yeah. know, because it gets overwhelmingly funny at times. But it, it was, that was a first shot, so not bad for first shot. Yeah. So, have you seen what somebody did with the the Star Wars Force Awakens pictures, like the title pictures? No. Okay. So we know that the title of Star Wars, the new Star Wars Episode Eight, is called The Last Jedi, right? Yeah. So if you put them together, it says The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi. Oh, okay. Which you know strings out a sentence. Well, someone came up with 
a picture poster for the title for episode eight nine. Yeah, and it says from his nap. <laughs> <laughs> the Force awakens the last Jedi from his nap. <laughs> I uh, I read some kind of a theory, you know, because there's always theories, right? Like the newest one is is the theory that Snoke is the last Jedi. Yeah, I've heard that, and or Luke, or but again, they don't say that Snoke, Snoke and Kylo Ren. They never bring up Sith. Yeah, they don't call him Darth. It's not Darth Kylo or Darth Ren or yeah. anything like that. It's Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren. So Kylo is a title. Yeah. Do they even mention the dark side at all? Uh, Does Kylo no, Ren? no. And my guess is, my guess is that the third one will have something like the dark side. Yeah, like the Force Awakens, the last Jedi from the dark side. You know. Yeah. Or something like that. I think this is the new generation of uh, progressive um, uh, Force wielders. <laughs> so. It, well, the other thing is, is that it could be referring to Daisy Ridley's character. Yeah. Or yeah. it could be referring to Kylo Ren. I know. It just it eventually gets to, into, you could do anybody. Oh, it's George R. Binks. Yeah. And then the other <laughs> thing is, is that there's rumors that Lando Calrissian's going to be in it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what else is Billy D doing at the moment? Nothing. Exactly. He's not doing Colt 45 anymore. <laughs> Colt 45. All right. So, all right. Uh, first off, a cool, refreshing drink. First off, Mike and I went and saw Resident Evil, the final chapter, uh, because uh, January is the month to bring out <sighs> shit you don't want to bring out in any other time of year. These first three months are just horrendous for movie releases. March has, though, March is fucking full of good shit, yeah. or promising shit, interesting shit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, what is it, dude? I think in the in the span of... A month. We are going to see Ruby Rose in three fucking movies. Why? I don't know why. We we saw her in Triple X. We just saw her in Resident Evil, Sans Tattoos. Right. And then we're going to see her again in like two weeks with John Wick, part two, chapter two. Yep. Um, Wasn't she in the first one? No, not okay. at all. Um, no, the first time I noticed Ruby Rose was uh, she showed up in uh, season three of Orange is the New Black, and then she only popped up on the radar a couple times in the fourth season. Um, yeah, it's because she's making all these horrific action movies. <laughs> so yeah, whatever. I, it, dude, I've just noticed that that, that actor trend. There's always Look, this- if if somebody offers you fucking huge money to do a movie, it's an action movie or whatever. Yeah, hey, you're gonna be with Vin Diesel doing an action movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. How much? Well, it's here. Here's your paycheck. Okay. Thanks a lot. Yeah. yeah Thanks every, a lot, Rick. Yeah. Hey, and every time someone mentions your name affiliated with the movie, you get a little check. Well, no, not really. Every, every time someone buys something with your likeness on it, you get a check. Yeah. So, sort of. Royalties. Yeah. Royalties. I wonder if it's a good thing. Eh, you know, I don't feel like thinking about the whole royalty system. But um yeah, you what? There there are people out there that are experts on it. Yeah. Uh, call them. <laughs> I am not an expert on the royalties. Yeah, Cuz I don't think extras make uh, royalties at all. Do they? They do if their faces can be seen. Okay. And if they are part of the Screen Actors Guild. And there's a couple of other things. Not necessarily, I mean, you don't have to have a speaking part, but yeah. yes, you can get royalties. Yeah, though, like there's that Mexican actor. Um, I, I forgot his name, but I, I shared his profile, his IMDb uh, profile on Facebook one time. He's that guy you see in every goddamn movie. Like he was, he was the guy that gets stomped by the T Rex in, in The Lost World. And carried with its foot when it's stepping through the puddles. The, the guy that played El Jefe? 
He's played, yeah. I mean, he's the guy that stuck the the silencer in Nicholas Cage's face in the in the airplane hangar in Con Air. Okay. You know, Hooray for the sounds of fucking silence. Hooray. You know, and yeah. Anyway, that guy shows up in fucking everything. I was watching Romancing the Stone this weekend. Yeah. I actually love this movie. We'll get into that review later and down the line. That's a it. It will be a pick of the week. But <clears throat> um, and the dude that plays El Jefe uh-huh. in the Three Amigos, yeah, was in that movie. <laughs> I didn't realize it. Yon Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, uh, God. But they you, seem to recycle in like every decade. They recycle all these bit actors yeah. to play in like Ruby Rose. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. You know where they're just background extras that have brief moments in the movie and then they're gone. Did Going Gets Tough by Billy Ocean, was that in Romancing the Stone or Jewel of the Nile? Uh, Romancing the Stone. Okay. I think. Yeah, Romancing the Stone. That, that makes sense because that was the better movie of the two. But, right. Um, just th- there's certain movies when you watch them. Think about this. What? Okay. Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark comes out. Yeah. And then Temple of Doom comes out. Yeah. And the, then the prequel. Though. Right. Then you have Romancing the Stone come out. And Alan Quartermain. <laughs> you have Romancing the Stone come out. Yeah. Okay. Romancing the Stone, and, and I also have a theory on Romancing the Stone, has the first time that you meet Jack, Michael Douglas's character, yeah. which is actually, I mean, the whole movie is really fucking good. The acting, everything. It's not as cheesy as you think it would be. And then the sequel's rushed. But the first time that you meet both characters, Jack Colton and Indiana Jones, yeah. they're both in the jungle. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. They both get chased by either you know the natives or the military, uh-huh. right? They're both being chased by jackbooted thugs. Mm-hmm. In this case, you know it's all in Cartagena in South America. Yeah, but again, South America and and the mystique that the Nazis had gone to South America. Yeah, all right. So you you put the two together. Romancing the Stone is a ripoff of Indiana Jones. Done from a romantic uh, novel writer's no, 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 perspective. No, 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 no. We'll get into that in a minute. Okay. Because I, I don't want to talk about Romance the Stone too oh, much. Oh, you, you're getting deep. Yeah. Okay. The movie is a ripoff of Indiana Jones set in quote-unquote modern times. Okay. Okay. And the reason why I say quote-unquote is because when the movie was released, it was 84, 84, 85, or whatever. For the time it was set in. It yeah. Was, yeah. So it was set in the time that it was filmed. Yeah. Okay. Present day. It hold with the now. Jack Colton is an explorer. He's in South America. He is a collector of artifacts. Yeah. In in this case, he's a collector of birds. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ex- exotic. Why wasn't this your flick of the fucking week? Birds. <laughs> because I wanted to talk about the other one. All right. <clears throat> Indiana Jones is an archaeologist and a collector of exotic items. Mm-hmm. Okay. They both have a love interest. Whom they meet at a bar. Well, no, not a bar, but whom they meet who is a uh, self-sufficient woman. Okay? Yeah, independent. Right. Very independent, self-sufficient woman. And in a sense, like Marion Marion betrayed Indiana Jones. In a sense. It wasn't a real betrayal, but she did. Okay? And the betrayal happens on the ship. Okay. We killed him and threw him overboard. Okay, yeah. he's hiding. That's and they take Marion, and Marion is. Um, Don't you touch me. Well, the other thing is, is that she was <laughs> trying to to seduce Belloc. 
Yeah. Like I said, in a sense, it's not a true betrayal because she didn't give anything away. Yeah. And the same thing, the same thing happens in Romancing the Stone, where Jack Colton, it, the tables have turned a little bit, betrays Kathleen Turner's character, Joan Wilder, mm-hmm. in a sense. He didn't really, but he did because she has this map that leads to a treasure, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And both of them have maps that lead to a treasure, right? One is the Ark of the Covenant. The other one is a very rare, expensive jewel. The stone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I started thinking about that. And uh, I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to get too much. I don't want to get it. This is not a review of this movie. Uh-huh. But I have a theory about... This entire movie. A film theory. Yes, a film theory <laughs> about this entire movie from the point when she finishes her book on screen at the beginning of the movie. Okay. So, uh, uh, but we'll take care of that next week. I want We'll talk about it next week. Don't forget that. You better write that down. Yeah. Or maybe I'll just continue my review on this one since I've already started it. Should I actually just do the review? Uh, we're here. We're queer. Go Might ahead. Might as well. I mean, I already started it. Fuck it. You know what? <laughs> Go ahead. Instead of the Ed- Edgar Allan Poe, but I will mention the Edgar Allan Poe thing. I highly recommend it. Um, it's five tales before I get into the Romancing the Stone thing, and then we'll get into Resident Evil. Okay. And then we'll do your review. Um, the Edgar Allan Poe thing has Bela Lugosi. Um, let's see. Christopher Lee. That's who I was looking for. Roger Corman. Okay. And Julian Sands and a whole bunch of other people. Now, it's directed by an, an animator. Oh, and Guillermo del Toro. Ooh, can't go wrong with Guillermo. Now, Guillermo del Toro only did voices. Mm-hmm. I And I think that he had a couple of... He probably had some input because the guy that directed this yeah. also did Aladdin, The Lion King, The Hunchback, and Notre Dame. He also directed uh, The Missing Links. But uh, his name is Raul Garcia. And... He adapted five of Poe's more famous uh, uh, books or or stories um, as a an animated movie, and it has interstitials where there's a raven that is Edgar Allan Poe mm-hmm. talking to Nevermore. No, it was talking as Edgar Allan Poe. Okay, to a statue who I may represent death. Okay, okay. Now each. Of the five animated pieces are differently animated. Yeah, like one is one is very much done in the in in the um, Deathly Hallows sense. Okay, and I don't know if they use puppets for all of them, but like the second story is done very Sin City like, which is uh, the Telltale Heart. Yeah, and the first one is the House of the Fall of the House of Usher. This is the one that is more Deathly Hallows animated puppets. Okay. Than anything else or uh, stop motion animation, but I wanted to bring this up because the second, the second um, story, the Telltale Heart, was read by Bella Lugosi, mm-hmm. and they didn't alter anything. They used the original recording, the snaps, the pops, the hisses, everything of him doing this story from way back, That's like cool. seventy or eighty years ago. Amazing stuff. So I highly recommend it. Uh, go out and watch it. I'll make a review of it later. But, um, yeah, see, Sin City-style black and white palette. Um, Julian Sands did a narration. Um, and then the fourth short's called The Pit and the Pendulum, which is more computer animation. 
and that one was uh it was uh narrated by Guillermo del Toro and then there's a the, there's a final story yeah lady statue representing death i was just guessing on that the raven is done by Stephen Hughes who turns out to be the living representation of Paul Spirit so um just from watching it i assumed that stuff but i didn't really know until i started really looking into it it's amazing it is genuinely amazing and if you're a fan and i'm not a big fan of edgar Allan poe yeah i mean i'm a fan of horror writing stephen king and stuff like that and it got me thinking why don't they do hp lovecraft stuff like this it'll be so good anyways so romancing the stone um romancing the stone 1984 it's got Michael Douglas, Danny DeVito, Kathleen Turner, that triumvirate through the 80s was so enormously successful. Yeah. They did The War of the Roses, which is hilarious. They <laughs> woof, did, woof. Yeah, they did um, uh, Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the, Nile. Jewel of the Nile, and a couple of others. And Danny DeVito is amazing in this film. He plays a bad guy. An asshole. Yeah. yeah. Um, who lives in Cartagena with his brother, Ira. And they have taken Joan Wilder's sister hostage because her husband, who had been killed, Mm -hmm. had a map to a treasure, okay? But I'm not here to talk about all that. I mean, me doing the the movie reviews that I've done in the past are all, they're kind of garbage, you know? Yeah. And I think both you and I agree that they need to be better. Um, Indiana Jones... Modern day meets Harlequin romance, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in a in a sense. Uh, the movie was written by a female, which is amazing because back then they were far and few between females writing movies. Yeah, and it's from the perspective of Joan Wilder, let alone directing. Yeah, and I can't remember who directed this. Twenty thing, twenty five things you didn't know. Uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Oh fuck! How do we? Things. How do we not remember that? I know. I bet you he didn't direct the sequel. He did not. He did not. Um, it's got an eighty-five percent or eighty-seven percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Still. It's a fun movie. Yeah. There is not a part of this movie that sucks. And it's got charisma. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that Michael Douglas could have been a fucking you know action hero? And he's not an action hero. Yeah, because if you go back to uh, Streets of San Francisco. He was a very uh, straightforward character, very yeah, very just standard. Yeah, nothing special to him. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, he won an Oscar for producing a a big movie that won Best Picture. I can't remember what it was, but like in the early eighties. Yeah, yeah, that was his first. In fact, the first time he really got into movies. Yeah. It was him producing a movie. Yeah, and then know? all of a sudden he just started blowing up bigger than his dad. Yep. Yep. So yeah, Ira and Ralph, um, played by Zach Norman and Danny DeVito. And every time it cuts to Ira, which is who plays Danny DeVito's brother, uh-huh. he has his alligators with him. And his the, the whole catchphrase is, you know, you see the snap on that thing, you know, because <laughs> yeah. he's always feeding it chicken. Yeah. The whole thing is a misdirection. You know, Joan Wilder goes to Cartagena. She mm-hmm. goes to South, she goes to Brazil. And or Colombia, I'm sorry. She goes to Colombia and she's put on a bus that takes her in the middle of nowhere and then that's where she meets Michael Douglas. And they have to go to from where they are all the way back north to Cartagena, mm-hmm. right? But they're they're being chased by this police organization because the police organization, the bad guys, if you yeah. want to call it that, <clears throat> um, want this map too, as well. Also, 
Well, it just doesn't work out like that. Finally, she's able to get together with her sister. However, as I was saying before, the whole movie is a mind fuck. Okay? The movie starts off with, with Kathleen Turner writing another one of her famous romance novels as Joan Wilder. Uh-huh. Okay? And she's finishing up the novel, but the movie starts off with this Western, okay? And this dude walks in. He's like, hey, you got to give me the stuff. And there's this girl, this blonde-haired girl, beautiful. And she's like, it starts off with, she never shows her face. So you you think it's Kathleen Turner, but it's really not Kathleen Turner. It's just somebody that they hired to play this damsel in distress, right? Uh And her face is covered with her long, blonde, flowing, perfectly curly hair. And she's hot from the summer heat or whatever. And then <laughs> as she's writing, you know, this is like, she's, you know, the girl, the girl's not wearing a bra, but she's wearing this cottony blouse thing that you so you can see her perfect breasts and everything else. Yeah. Perfect. And the guy goes, but it's October. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hot and sweaty, but it's October, right? Mm. So they have this exchange. The, the dude wants, you know, whatever from, from the girl, this, item this map it, it could be a map I, I don't think it's a map but it, it may be okay and the girl says to the bad guy you know you've stolen my you, you've killed my brothers you killed my mother you killed my father killed my dog and you you know you stole my horse or whatever it, it was actually pretty funny and she pulls out this knife and throws it at him and kills him <clears throat> and that's how the movie starts and then it cuts to Kathleen Turner writing this novel and she's crying oh it's the best stuff I've ever written this is so good right yeah she can't find any tissue to wipe her tears away and she's got notes all over the house go you know got to do shopping and so she's all when she's in her writing mode you can she's very focused yeah so she ends up celebrating with her only other companion which is her cat okay she ends up having a drink which apparently led to more (laughs) <laughs> but it never shows that. And she wakes up the next morning, looks at her watch, realizes that she's late for an appointment to turn in her novel. And she has it all boxed up. But the box is all kind of crinkly. Yeah. Like, it, it's it been used before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it just got mailed to her. And she's off to meet her, her friend. <laughs> and I can't remember. She wasn't... Um, hold on a second. I need to look up the cast. Um, it was Holland Taylor, wasn't it? Who? Her friend Gloria. Is she the one that... Um... Yes, yep. Holland Taylor. Thank you. <laughs> Who is her... She's she's the um, her agent, mm-hmm. right? So she plays Joan Wilders. And Holland Taylor plays Elaine Wilder. And they meet at like a hotel room where there's like the speed dating service or whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, Holland Taylor is is scanning the room, you know, and looking all, you know, too tall, too short, too fat, too thin, too smiley, you know, too happy. You know, that guy's, that guy looks like a douche. Obviously, this guy's a fucking fake, fake money and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, and Joan Wilder's having a discussion with her. It's just like this inane discussion. But here's the thing. Everything that happens to her happens in this novelistic way. Yeah. Okay. So she has a drink, falls asleep on her couch, and then she wakes up and she leaves her apartment and this dude comes to her apartment to try to break in and stabs the janitor and 
she gets home and her apartment has been trashed. Yeah. They turned her her apartment's been turned over and she mysteriously has a map. She has to go to her sister to return the map. This whole movie is a complete mind fuck because the beginning of the movie where she wakes up all the way until where Jack Colton shows up at the end with his boat. Yeah. Right before, right in New York City where she waves to him and, hey, honey, how you doing? Yeah. Is a complete mind fuck. This is a novel she has written. Uh, that's what this novel is. So this, that's what this, this whole story, this adventure is, is her projecting this adventure with, with Michael Douglas, who is her boyfriend or husband or whoever, yeah. right? And he's not there at this time because he's out gallivanting about or he's buying a boat or whatever. Mm. Let's assume he's buying this boat. So as she's sleeping... She is having this vivid dream of of her going on an adventure to South America where she finds this guy, Jack Colton, whom yeah. she already knows, and goes on and goes to save her sister. Like like in Wizard of Oz, everyone that Dorothy knew in real life is now the characters in the movie. No, no, that's not how it works. In in Oz. No. These are because you never see these characters mm. until the Jewel of the Nile. So she's come across these characters, this, the Ira and the Danny DeVitos and whatever else, right? Yeah. But, and it may have happened, but the whole thing is a dream sequence. That's that whole, the whole movie up until where, where you see Jack Colton and his boat show yeah. up is up until that point was a dream. And that's when she's, she wakes up and she comes downstairs and then they get on the boat. Now, right? I, it's been a while since I've seen it. And I remember that ending. I remember the boat and all that. Right. Through the streets of New York. Now, you're 100% positive that the whole movie was a dream? Not 100%, but it seems to me that up until, like, he had to get his boat somehow. Uh-huh. So there's a scene when he is going through all of his stuff and his his truck has been ruined and he pulls out a picture of the boat. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I don't, I'm still saving up for this, or he's still saving up money to get that boat. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the movie, he has the boat. Uh You know, it's too convenient. Okay. So, like I said, so he may have sailed. He may be still an exotic bird guy, but he may have sailed a boat from from South America to New York. Yeah. And then, and was going to meet her there because she's a she's a novelist. She may. She writes a lot of books. Yeah. She lives in fucking, she lives downtown. Yeah. You know, so she makes a lot of money. So him being able to put the boat on a truck makes sense because they live together, boyfriend, girlfriend, or husband and wife or whatever. Yeah. And and he's coming to pick her up and then they're going to transport the boat somewhere else or put it in the harbor. Yeah. Right? And he wants, he, she wants to go with him. So even the the adventure may have happened. She may have had to go down to Cartagena to get her sister, and Ira and and um, Ralph, Danny DeVito, and the other guy, Parker, were part of this whole thing, and they could have killed her husband, but it's still a dream sequence. What if in real life her, her brother-in-law was a cheating piece of shit, so she kills him in the novel? It's possible, but in the... In, that would be the loyal sister in the kind story. Of thing. Well, but yeah, but she wouldn't do that. In the story, he gets killed by bad guys. Yeah, and and Elaine is trying to flee Colombia, 
when yeah. she's abducted by Danny DeVito. And that's a metaphor for her bad choices in life. Well, no, it's <laughs> not really. I mean, she's st- this happened. This stuff happened, but it's hard to explain. The husband, Elaine Wilder, Joan's sister, mm-hmm. her husband dies mysteriously, okay? And the people that are the Danny DeVitos and the Iras, because Danny DeVito shows up in the Jewel of the Nile, which, again, could be the same exact thing. It could be she finishes her novel. I haven't seen Jewel of the Nile in a long, long time. Yeah. Finishes her novel and celebrates, and then all of a sudden she's in fucking Egypt, right? <laughs> yeah. She has to go to Egypt for some reason. And then these same characters keep popping up. Yeah. So, Romancing the Stone is a romance novel that Joan Wilder thought up while she was drunk. Okay. From the moment that she lands and the moment that she has to leave her house to drop off her novel Mm -hmm. that she had just finished writing all the way up until when Jack Colton shows up at her front door and he's there with his boat. That's the whole premise of this thing. It's 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 her... Novel, it's her next novel, is what it is. Uh-huh. So she she's already finished this this other this this whatever this Western romance thing, right? So she's celebrating that. But this dream is her next novel, and the same thing for Jewel of the Nile, which would be the follow up series and the Jack Colton stuff. So Danny DeVito and Ira and her sister having problems with her with her husband who was killed. That's all part of a novel. And it's all part of a dream. All right. Anyways, I give this an eight, eight and a half. It's the the Rotten Tomatoes is right up there. Yeah, it's a fun movie to watch, regardless of what my theory is. It's a fun movie to watch. Um, everything about it screams Indiana Jones, and that's what that's what people don't get is that if you see if you see something that's popular, right? Yeah, and you want to make a fucking movie or a TV show or write a book or whatever, you take the good stuff. Right? And you make it better. This sounds dumb, but okay. We already knew that Battle Beyond the Stars was a cheap ripoff of Star Wars. Right. Anyone who knows movies. I, well, there's, knows there's, that, like, right? there's like eight films that have used the same special effects that Battle Beyond the Stars have done. Yeah. Anyways. But, but my thing is, I never really thought about the title until recently. And the, the title is Star Wars Battle Beyond the Stars. Right. It's Star Wars. I, I just never thought about it. Richard Thomas, Robert Vaughn, George Papard, John Saxon, Sybil Danning, so Darian of it, Flugel. So instead of it being Star Wars, it's uh-huh. Star Battles. It's intended as Magnificent Seven in, in outer space. It's based on the Magnificent Seven. Is, these look, like, look at the pose. It looks like Groot standing on the, all the way on the left. Yeah, and, and a gigantic snail with balls. And it, I was going to say, it this, looks like the ship has titties. It's, fucking, it's a Peter Griffin chin ship. Because it, like it looks like it's got nipples in the middle. Yeah, that's why I said it's a Peter Griffin chin ship. Uh, the screenplay was written by John Sayles. The score was composed by James Horner. And the special effects were designed by Jim Cameron. Well, you got to start somewhere. Hey, look, and then there's gold glowing characters in the front. Oh, look, there's 3PO and R2. <laughs> And the fucking Wookiee and Luke Skywalker. God. Yeah, this... Blatant. Uh, I actually like this movie. I, I, I like it because it's fucking... It's it's goddamn uh I like Papard in it. Yeah, George Papard? Yeah. Yeah, Hannibal. The film... It was the most expensive film produced by Roger Corman. Two million dollars. And it went to paying the salaries of Papard and Robert Vaughn. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so John Sayles had already written The Lady in Red and Piranha. 
No, uh, that's what, you know. James Cameron, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, here it is. The reused, the spaceship used in the film was reused for another science fiction film, um, Space Raiders, and in the ultra-low-budget Star Quest II and Dead Space. Uh, footage was also later used in video game, films and games. A clip from the film is shown during the movie theater fight scene at the end of Bachelor Party, which is one another one of my favorite movies. And footage was also used for the Laserdisc game Astron Belt. Uh, the soundtrack was recycled for by Corman for Raptor and other films. Sections of Horner score were used in Space Raiders. Several effect shots and clips were reused for other films, including Bachelor Party, which we already said, while the spaceship model was reused. We already said that. I don't know why they continually fucking repeat themselves. I don't know. Uh, the film was later picked up by Shout Factory, who released it on DVD and Blu-ray as part of the Roger Corman cult classic series in 2011, which you can probably find... Uh, at uh, Amazon.com. The okay. film film was released on DVD in 2001, um, and he sold the foreign rights to Orion for $2.5 and then he resold cable rights to HBO for 750000 which seems cheap to me. So <clears throat> it cost $2 million, and the foreign distribution in and of itself paid for the movie, and then another 700 He made $1.25 million just on two sales alone. It's not bad. Right, and it, it helped push Cameron's career along. Well, it also made $11 million on a $2 million budget. Yeah. It says box office $7.5 million, but um, down here where I just was, right here, Battle Beyond the Stars grossed $1.7 million in its opening weekend and reportedly earned $11 million fairly quickly. There you go. All right, so before we get any farther away from it, <laughs> this is the Resident Evil, the final chapter I, I, episode. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I was we we got into the fucking romancing the stone thing, uh, and you, I couldn't. You know what? When it's fresh in the mind, sometimes that's the best time to get yeah. it out of there. So anyway, uh, we went and saw Resident, the, you know, Resident Evil Part Six. All right, this the final week. chapter. Yeah, the quote unquote final chapter, which uh, what a great name, we, Flugel. We've learned uh, through multiple uh, other occasions uh, that the final chapter usually isn't the final chapter, uh, and we can tell by the end of this film that it might not be the final chapter as well. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So to get into it, uh, re- the final chapter, <coughs> it it is set. Immediately after the events of Resident Evil Retribution, where Alice and company um, were surrounded by zombies, and she had just been re-injected by Wesker to give her all of her powers back. Well, this movie starts off where (coughs) it's after this attack. Everyone around her is dead. They don't even show them. She just, in a narration, she mentions that they were betrayed, and they're all gone. That's all she says. She doesn't even... I don't even think she named anybody that was with her. So all of these big... You know, these these carryover characters from the video game that showed up in the last movie, um, some of them went with her to Washington for, you know, the final battle, which right. is not the final battle at the time. And, and then they don't... And then that's it. They didn't look. They didn't re-sign the actors to the to this this movie, and then the characters are treated like fodder, and that that is symbolic to me of this entire film series with Resident Evil. Um, this series to me is in look when it 
with the, with with putting Mortal Kombat aside, because Mortal Kombat's my favorite video game movie of all time. Um, putting that one aside, it I've wanted Resident Evil to always be awesome because Resident Evil was one of the first video game. It was the first survivor survival horror video game I ever played that I can think of because I never played Doom and shit like that um, when they were new. So. Um, when I played Resident Evil back in 97, 98, I had the director's cut, which I think <laughs> the director's cut just shows a, a cut scene with a, with a, 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 what is it? An amputated arm or something oh, yeah. in it, right? It's nothing special, but still, when I got that game back in the, in the, you know, late nineties and I played it, I fucking fell in love with it, man. I love, I love the cheesy acting. Cause they used actually, they used to use real actors, you know, C, C level or, you know, D level actors, but they would use real actors um, for these cutscenes, and they wouldn't have to use cheap CG and all that shit. You know, instead you had bad dialogue, and it, it fit. It fit with the horror of the of the game and everything. And and look, the game has bad bad controls, whatever. But it was fun, and it had a great story. So when these movies came out, especially the first movie, I was disappointed the first time I saw it because it it did it did a few things that were connected with the original game. But it also went in directions that the games never did at all. And after seeing it, I took some things into account. When I learned about how low the budget was for the film, why they did certain things the way that they did them, it made some kind of sense. All right, I'll give it that. But then it made so much money that they started making bigger budgeted sequels like Resident Evil 2. Well, they didn't call it Part 2, but they called it Apocalypse. And then finally, you get to see the the tyrant and the you know the nemesis project and 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 like and the makeup's good and everything like that. But then it just it it, it, it treats the characters in a way that they're I don't want to use this word all the time, but tertiary. It it makes the characters seem like they're important, but then the way that it ends up treating them overall is they're not really they're used more as a, a stepping stone. Then they're actually used as an actual character for the Alice character played by Mila Jovovich to Armia, however you want to pronounce her name. Um, her character, Alice, just for her to interact in this film to get to the next film. And then the next film, she has other characters usually she has to interact with. And if they do have any characters that carry over from the previous film, they end up killing them off quickly in the next film. And they end up dying in a way that made you like, why the fuck were they even in this? Like, I'll give you an example. When you when they introduced um, uh, Mike Epps' character and uh, Oded Fair's characters in in uh, Apocalypse, what happened to the near in what the first half hour of Resident Evil Extinction, the third movie? They fucking both get bit and zombify and die. Okay, it was like what was the fucking point of carrying them over? And then you finally finally they start introducing main characters from the video game into the movies, and then they're either in the movie for a moment. Or they're in the entire movie, but they don't get they don't get treated like they got treated in the game, and and then you get to the next film after it, and they're not they're not mentioned, nothing. They're, they're, it it makes no sense. It and what blows my mind is Paul W S Anderson, he directed almost every single one of these Resident Evil movies. I think the only one he didn't direct was Apocalypse. Okay, which was the second one. So he directed like one through five or one through six without number two. And so when you have a director who's been this committed to this project for this long, because he also executive produced part two, so he's involved with it in one way or another. 
how do you not keep things consistent? If you're trying, why don't you try to honor the source material and do the right job with it? I, I don't understand. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And as a fan of Resident Evil, before the video game series went over the top and went in directions that it didn't need to go into, it was a great series. And it was interesting and it was fun. And the movies just needed to emulate that, you know? But they don't. Instead, they... It's like a better version of a Yui Bowl movie. Like, the Resident Evil movies are never Yui Bowl bad, but they're close, you know? They're like a step above. Like, if Yui Bowl had taken his head a little bit farther out of his ass, then he would have made Resident Evil, if that makes sense. It... I know I'm going far away from this, but it, it, that's the point, is that you you make the commitment to make this the final movie. to, to tell You're telling the fans and the audience that, hey, there's this journey that you came along with us on, and now we're going to, we're going to, there's the, here's the payoff. Here comes the big payoff, right? Okay, fine. And I know there's plenty of Resident Evil movie fans, because I've gone on the IMDb sites for certain, for these movies, and gone in the comment sections, and, own per, and people's own personal reviews, and... There's a lot of people that love these fucking movies. They don't they don't see the plot holes or they don't care about all the plot holes. They don't care about all the deviations from from the, you know, video games. They just love the series, you know, and there's some people that are just like that. I, you know, fuck it. I sometimes I love blissful ignorance when it comes to movie, you know, people that love movies cuz at least they enjoy them. Cuz me, I'm over over analytical about it, you know, and I got a problem with this, I got a problem with that, I got a problem with that. If you look, if you do shit right, then I don't have much to say in 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 the form of negativity, right? Look, go to Harry Potter movies. All the fucking Harry Potter movies were done more right than wrong. They're, I mean, and they're all, none of them are perfect, but they're. Let's see anyone else do a better fucking job with them, can you? I don't know, maybe, possibly, but they could have been way worse, and instead they were great. They were all great, too epic, too good, but they never sucked. None of the Harry Potter movies ever sucked, and. You, if you go to the Resident Evil movies, can anyone really... I mean, can most people say that any of those movies were great or epic? Okay? I had a lot of problems with the first Resident Evil movie. And these movies have gotten so predictable and standard in their... And their, 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 their I don't know what you call plot lines and all that. That when you watch that first movie again, it's the only movie that really feels like a Resident Evil movie because of the the music. Holy shit, the musical score that Marilyn Manson co co uh co composed. Alright, and 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 just the the whole aura of the movie, the whole ambiance of it, all of it felt dark and scary and it, it felt foreboding. Okay? None of these other movies have ever felt foreboding at all. It was just action, bloody zombie action. Right? And that and that's that the, I know I'm going into a long diatribe, but there's right. a reason for it. Look, Resident Evil, the whole concept of Resident Evil is survival horror. You're supposed to feel the horror and feel the tension. In the first movie, you felt it. In every movie since then, you don't. Really? In the first movie, you felt it, but every movie since then, which is a copy of the first movie, you haven't? It keeps going farther and farther away and becoming just popcorn action. You know what I mean? What I'm trying to say is the first movie at least tried, tried to didn't Paul Anderson direct that one too? Yes. So he's directed all five of these movies. There were six, and I think he didn't direct part two, Apocalypse, but he directed all of them after that. So he's okay. So I would 
That's what I was getting at. Yeah. He's directed five of the six movies. Yeah, and he's been he's had a, and he executive produced the one he didn't direct, so he was still involved. Um, okay. And you know what? I don't. Did he direct? I, yeah, he directed the first one. So, um, my problem is that yeah, it just it became this whole other thing. All right, you know, like if you compare it to say Resident Evil or um, uh, Walking Dead. The, the the show's still going in the same direction as the comic book. It's just they change little things here and there, but it's still going to the same destination, like you've said. You know, it ends up in the same spot. It's just do it a little bit differently. Yeah, that's well, how you get there. I mean, they don't want Kurtzman. Is it Kurtzman? Yeah, uh, uh, Kirkman. Kirkman. Sorry, yeah. Kurtzman. I was thinking Kurtzman and Orsi, but Kirkman, who developed, the, who is involved with the TV show as well as the comic. Yeah. Doesn't want the TV show to be exactly like the comic. The characters that show up in the comic, the important ones will show up in the TV series. Yeah. Like Ezekiel and everything else. By the way, the guy that plays Ezekiel, mm-hmm. he's also the voice of Cyborg in Teen Titans. <laughs> is he? Yeah. He's good he's good then. Yeah. So that's besides the point. The reason why I haven't said anything in this whole review of of Resident Evil is because you were talking about the past. Yeah. I don't care for these movies. Uh And it's not the zombie shit. It's video game movies. Yeah. I am not a fan of shitty represented video game movies. House Mm -hmm. of the Dead, the Yui Bull stuff, you've already gone through this time and time again. Ad nauseum, yeah. So, you know, I don't need to add another bit of my shitty two cents to your good reviews. This one, this one was interesting because you were jacked when it when the trailer came out. They did a really good job of presenting the first trailer, right? With Paradise City playing over. Yeah, I it could care less about that, but they just did a good job with it. I, I like how they edited that into it, and it just it, it felt yeah, right. it worked. It it but again, it's it's done on purpose. Yeah. But you were excited, yeah, and that's fine, and. and I was excited for you because I'm not, I'm not a, not into this thing, this other genre, this video game movie genre. Yeah, we've had so many video game movies, mm-hmm. and they've all sucked. Can you believe that Assassin's Creed didn't get one Razzie nomination? No, no, <laughs> I can't. I'm just glad. I'm glad though. I'm kind of glad that they, they, you know, I don't want to go off on the tangent, but you know what I mean, right? I'm, but video game movies, yeah. No video game movie has gotten over fifty percent. Yeah, and we've already talked about this, but and look, I and I like Warcraft. Warcraft was way better than I thought critics gave it credit for. Yeah, I, I um list of films based on video games. Here we go. Uh, the Laura Croft stuff was not bad. Yeah, it ugh. wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. Uh, let's see here. Let's just go through the list. Yeah, and look, it's got all the Rotten Tomatoes on there. Super Mario Brothers sucked. Double Dragon sucked. Yep. Balls. Street Fighter. It sucked. Fucking horrible. Mortal Kombat sucked. <laughs> Mortal Kombat Annihilation sucked. Worst sequel ever. Pokemon. I, I don't consider this a movie because it was an animated movie. Wasn't it also well, cards? Not live action. Wasn't it also a card game before it was a video game? Pokemon? Yeah. No. I don't fucking know. Wing Commander. Yeah. Laura Croft. Final Fantasy, Spirits Within. See, Final Fantasy is one of the highest rated with 44%. And that one fucking sucked. I liked it. Resident Evil. But it should, they shouldn't have called it Final Fantasy. Laura 
Croft. That's what ruined it. House of the Dead, 4%. Resident Evil Apocalypse, Alone in the Dark, Doom, Blood Rain, Silent Hill, DOA, Postal, Extinction, Resident Evil, Hitman. Blech. I actually like that version of Hitman because I, I like, what's his name? Oliphant. Yeah. yeah. Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> in the name of the king. A Max Payne. Max Payne was fucking atrocious. Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Only if, only if you got exclusive upshot, you know, dress shots. <laughs> uh, Prince of Persia, which wasn't, a, that wasn't a bad movie. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a great movie, but it wasn't bad. But do I, you want to own it? Do you want to see it again? No, I, I could care less. But yeah. I enjoyed when I watched it. Yeah. Resident Evil, Afterlife, Retribution, Silent Hill, Revelation. What is this with the Revelation, Retribution, Afterlife, Extinction? Who cares? Ratchet and Clank. Watched that a couple, I watched that last night. Yeah. The fucking movie was shit. Silent Hill was actually very well done. If you play the original video game, they did an excellent job. That's what I part. heard, but again, garbage. Angry Birds, Warcraft, I don't understand why he's getting 28%. That one was actually more true to the game than anything else. Assassin's Creed, Resident Evil, the final chapter. Tomb Raider to be announced. Rampage to be announced. Sonic the Hedgehog. To be announced. Five Nights at Freddy's, they'll fucking ruin that one. Minecraft. Dragon's Lair, the movie, which I already know what's going on with this. Uh-huh. Dragon's Lair, the movie, is being done by um, Don Bluth. Okay. And he's got a Kickstarter going and everything else. Um, hold on a second. Yeah, Bluth and Goldman started a Kickstarter campaign to create a teaser for an animated feature-length Dragon's Lair film, uh, their first since Titan AE, which I actually watched Titan AE like two months ago yeah, or a month ago. Uh, the funding was canceled when not enough funds were cl- made close to the deadline. An Indiegogo page was created in its place. Promoter the, now, it, um, uh, on December 14th, it reached its goal 14 days after the campaign launched and got more than twice the budget on January 16th, 2016. They have announced that the film will be provide more backstory for Dirk and Daphne, that Daphne will show that she's not a blonde airhead as she's depicted in the game. <laughs> Which... I, I it, it's amazing, but um, I have to look up the Indiegogo, the Kickstarter one. It really bummed me out when they when they um killed off the Kickstarter, but there it is right there. <clears throat> what the fuck is this? All right, whatever. I don't need that. I want that one. Did it? <laughs> the fundraising continues. All I want to do is go to the stupid. Indiegogo thing. Come on, Rick. Give me the Indiegogo thing. You're not going to find it, Morty. Come on, Rick. Sorry, Morty. You you can't find it. You know why? Because no one gives a shit anymore, Morty. I, I found it, Rick. It's on the Indiegogo page. See, because you just went to Indiegogo. Quit fucking I, around. I did. Like a lazy fuck boy. Uh, I don't understand what you're saying, Rick. A fuck man. You never do. You never do, Morty. So... I love this movie, but we, we, we're so far off the fucking chart with the video games. But we'll watch this later. Doesn't I always matter. thought Don Bluth was a fat guy because Bluth just sounds like a fat guy's name. Yeah, no. <laughs> but with with Resident Evil, like this new one, like I, I've stayed away from it on purpose, but all these shitty Resident Evil movies. Yeah. Because I've heard nothing but bad things about them. Uh-huh. Well... This, it, it's not a shit movie. It's not a piece of shit. I never thought it was. In fact, I don't remember doing our piece of shit for this. Oh, we did. Oh, I did mine. I I don't. I didn't read yours, but I wrote mine. I know. I know what's on there. Oh, 
We did it. I just, I just don't remember. Really? Yeah. Well, let's find out what we wrote. Resident Evil, the final chapter. Mm-hmm. That's the re- you, you guys need to be reading this stuff. <sighs> Come on, you cunt. <sighs> Fuck off. <laughs> That's the review. Is it? Yeah. Ah, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> oh, that's right, because it has a stupid picture. Yeah. Piece of video game-based shit. That's your prediction. Yeah. Do you want If you want to read the whole thing, you can. Okay. Groove into the soothing sounds of Axl Rose's Paradise City. Or, I'm sorry, of Axl voice. Rose's voice. Alice returns to where it all began, Raccoon City. With a group of Do sur- it in a Rick voice. With a group of survivors and the sketchy words of that annoying hologram girl... Alice re-enters the hive to destroy the T-virus once and for all. Only there's a shit ton of zombies, Morty. And there's two invincible assholes from Umbrella, too, standing in her way. Invincible assholes, how? Is this the final chapter in a loosely-based series? Will Alice get the peace she undoubtedly deserves? And will this ever feel like a full-on Resident Evil movie without all the sidetracking and extra characters? Probably not. I concur. My interest in this series has waned considerably ever since Resident Evil Apocalypse back in 2004. There's just something about that has never been done right with these movies. They've had their moments, but I've always walked away from these underwhelmed. Resident Evil The Final Chapter will be a piece of video game-based shit, but I hope that it goes out on a good note. Oh, so so I, I, didn't, even, I didn't even bold anything. I just, I just wrote it. I, I, I have a confession. I, I've seen a part of one of the Resident Evil movies, and I think it was part three. I really don't know. I'm not one a zombie in the desert. guy. Yeah, we're... Where they're at the casino? The one, yeah, the one in the desert is in part three is the Extinction, yeah. Yeah, in the, the casino. It's all that the drive Most of the video game movies that have been made have sucked. Sucked terribly. Yeah. <clears throat> Plus, I don't like wasting two hours of my time on shitty movies. Although that's an ironic statement because, let's face it, I've wasted more than two hours on shitty movies. That's what we do. Review movies. Oh, look. Another movie where an evil corporation has taken over the world. And, and and has released a virus to kill everyone and, and save themselves. Exciting. It's four times better and four times more exciting than the previous ones. Also, they ripped off Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Do the producers of the studio get a cut of the profits, Resident Evil, the final chapter? You, you couldn't come up with a better title than that? Here are five. Res, Resident Evil, Fall of the Red Queen. <laughs> Resident Evil, The Looking Glass. Resident Evil, Alice doesn't live here any longer. Ah, uh, that's a joke, because there's a movie called Alice Doesn't Anymore. Live Here Any Longer. Anymore. The White Rabbit. <clears throat> Resident Evil. Oh, it's a take on Alice in Wonderland, but with zombies and flying weird dragons and a rabbit hole. Resident Evil. We stole this idea from Lewis Carroll. I, I, I gave you a bonus just in case you didn't see where I was going with the Resident Evil is Alice in Wonderland with zombies. I, I had to sit through like four or six months of listening and watching that trailer, and I'm sick of hearing the Skrillex version of Paradise City. <laughs> So, sorry this is so long. I'm pretty much saying that this movie is going to be a piece of shit. P.S. Uh, Allie Larder's in this movie? And why is Ruby Rose in like every single bad action film that has come out within the past three years? You're telling me that a tatted up, short-haired, young, post-apocalyptic survivor, gun karate, construction electrician expert is hard to cast? <laughs> Not bad, Morty. Not bad. Th- thanks, Rick. So, uh, as as you can hear my weird Rick and Morty voice. My Morty voice. I don't know. I don't know how that one sounded. (laughs) I think it sounded okay. Um, This whole fucking thing, Resident Evil is is this. Exactly what I said. It's 
fucking Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. <laughs> okay. You know and, what's funny is I never read your your POS on right. this. And did you see my my when I shared it? What my 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 Twitter statement was? No. I said uh welcome to part 6 in Alice's Adventures in Zombieland. Nice. <laughs> now, the reason why now now I keep saying now. 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 Now, 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 now. Not now, now. We're at now, now. When's now going to be in? It just happened. When? Just now. <laughs> That's what we got to do. Yeah, we definitely got to do sp- Scrooge and... and <laughs> we can't stop. It's too dangerous. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Stop this damn <laughs> thing. I order you. Fuck. Doesn't anything work in the future? <laughs> My favorite line. Yeah. So... As I have been saying when I read that thing as Morty, this is nothing but fucking Alice in Wonderland. And I wrote this piece of shit, unfortunately, after I saw the movie. Mm. But as I was watching the movie, everything just where it was the Red Queen, you know, and you have... I didn't even think of that. You're right. Because they kept calling her the Red Queen. They called her the Red Queen through all the movies. Yep. The Red Queen. You have um, uh, the twist... The big twist, which is Alice herself. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get into that. And then you have, um, so, you yeah, the Red Queen, the uh, King of Hearts, which is the dude. Um, the the doctor? Yeah, whatever his name is. Dr. Doctor, Isaacs. Dr. Ezekiel or Isaacs or whatever. Yeah, Dr. Isaacs. And Tweedledee and Tweedledum and all this other stuff, right? The 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 um, the guards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But the thing that got me was when they have to run from the dogs. Mm-hmm. So they have to go through this entire fucking obstacle course, right? Yeah. And they're captured, just like in Alice in Wonderland. The only thing that they didn't get was the smoking caterpillar. Uh-huh. But that may have come previous, right? And she has to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I didn't even think of that, but you're right. The hive. The hive is the rabbit and hole. And when she gets to the hive, the rabbit hole, yeah. she has a choice, right? Uh-huh. And she has, but she has to continue on. However, the choice is basically, you know, grow big or grow small, Uh right? And she has to, well, she makes that choice because she has this thing that she has to do for the Red Queen to put in her ear so that she can hear special instructions. Yeah. And one of you is a member of the Hive. Yeah. Right? So, and they go through this whole fucking thing. And they have to go through the turbo fan, yeah, which makes no fucking sense why they went one at a time, and why they went slow. Yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah. I would have fucking run through there. Definitely. Yeah, and then the the power goes off, and the power goes on, and this dude is watching. The 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 Wesker Tweedledum is watching. Yeah, and instead of just turning on the fan when they're like. This is this is the massive trap that should have happened. Well, they all go through the fan. There's power and you outages. Fucking turn it on because the hive's fucked up. So there's power outages and places. right, but it just so happens that the power outage happens right when they get through the fan. Well, of course, and it turns on. Yeah, fuck that. I know. And then everybody dies. Eventually, yeah. I mean, seriously, like people get fucking caught in the fan. Yeah, the first guy that dies is the one that kept accusing uh, Alice of being bad. Yeah, and he, you know, he's all. I think we should shoot her in the face right now. Yeah. And then he turns around, and, be, and now he's all nice. Yeah. Oh, I really trusted you. Yeah. I trusted you this whole time. And then he gets bit right after that and becomes a zombie. No, no. And he's the one that gets squashed when the when the walls are coming together? No, yeah, but he's I'm talking about the, when the fan turns on. Yeah. You know? 
And w- the one surprising part, I completely forgot about this, and I saw it in the trailer, was when she starts drinking out of the the water at the memorial, the yeah. Washington Memorial, and the fucking thing comes out of the water. Oh, yeah. Although, honestly, the water's only like a foot and a half deep. I felt you move next to me when that happened. Yeah. The water is only a foot and a half deep, uh, and that thing would never have been able to fit in the water. Probably right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that deep. The yeah. Washington Memorial water is just like, it's like the when you see it, yeah. the, like right underneath the water is concrete. It's just a layer. Black concrete. Just a layer of water, and that's it. Yeah. So the fan turns on, another person dies. I think Ruby Rose died in that one. Yeah, she died in that one. And yeah. then they, they make it through these little tunnels that they have to crawl through, and they get sucked down into... That one guy falls the, on the rocks. Yeah. Yeah, that that was fine. Yeah. And then the uh, and then they get sucked down into the fucking lab, you know? Yeah. Cause, and they're falling. So it, instead of funneling them down into some weird chute where they could just chop them up like a, uh, like a slap chop. Yeah. You know? They, yeah, then it they, was. It, they keep falling. They keep falling in the direction they need to go. And this is what really pissed me off: the part where Allie Lauder falls into, you know, she's Claire Redfield. That's an important character from the video games, by right. the way. Um, she falls into this glass container that looks like it's like some torturing device uh-huh. in this room with other ones like it. Right. Right. That wasn't in the first fucking movie that I can recall, and because the hive is in the first movie. Right. And, you know, because this movie's supposed to end where it all began, right? right? And that's one of the reasons why I got hyped up for it. Like, oh, well, maybe they'll do it fucking right because they're going to have it go, go back where it started, right? And they, they didn't. Anyway. Right. So, <laughs> you know, they're supposed to, you know, remember the return to Nakatomi, right? Right. So, <laughs> so um, it, it doesn't, they don't do it. So, instead, they, they show all, they finally go, the, the movie spends the first two-thirds or plus getting to the hive and then they finally get in the fucking hive and then oh you've only got a half an hour and it's the slowest half hour yeah. ever we're gonna reset your watch right yeah right and then and then besides the laser room I've, I think besides the laser room from the or the laser hallway from the original film which looked great I loved how it was all dirty and shit like that that was awesome but besides that room I don't think that anything else noticeable from the original film in the hive was seen in the, in this movie. It was all new rooms and new stuff that we didn't see the first time. And it just felt all completely like bullshit. Okay? Look, if I'm remember how I've talked about on previous podcasts how I'm into uh um f- callbacks to previous films if you're doing sequels, right? Right. In the first movie, there's this one part that's really fucking cool where when all the when there's this room, there's a, a laboratory where all the scientists in this area they they drown in it because it's bulletproof glass, and they all drown in it, and then they all become zombies in the water because they all got infected with the airborne T T virus, right? And there's this part where right stuck up against the glass, and her eyes open up when someone walks by and she tries to grab them, right? And they did a really good job of that in the first movie. There's not even that in this movie. There could have been a scene where they're walking through the hallways or something, and then boom, there that bitch is still fucking there or something, right? They don't do it. They don't do any of that shit. It's just this next, oh, this is just sequel bullshit. It's just sequel bullshit. This whole fucking movie, you know? More of the same shit. Just, oh, just in a, a little bit different way, but it's still the same. You know, like you're not really, you're not tricking me. It's the same shit. That's what pisses me off about this movie. The characters are treated like shit. 
okay? And there's nothing really new that's going on with this with this with this sequel, you know. You know, them saying it's the final cha- chapter, that's pretty much a promise that they're going to end up breaking because if this makes enough money, and it will because overseas it's doing really well. The promise is that they we're done, right? But we're not done. They're going to make another fucking movie because of the way this movie ends. You know it. You know it because this movie's going to end up making at least two hundred million worldwide. Okay, on a what was it like a twenty? Was it got like a forty million dollar budget? So <laughs> they're like, well, well, this is a money maker, and Sony's, which we're going to talk about in a little while with news. Sony's fucking losing money in their entertainment division. All right, so they're going to keep jumping onto all these you know profitable um, you know franchises that they can. So I just I got a problem. I've got a problem with this fucking movie. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> and and look. The movie's put together well enough that you're entertained. Okay. You're, you're, the movie's put together well enough so that you're entertained enough to watch it. But as me as a fan, I'm just waiting for the movie to get to the fucking point. I'm waiting for it to deliver on what this whole series has been building up to. The end of the Umbrella Corporation. Um, the end of the zombie apocalypse. You know... The, the reemergence of the human race, right? And it doesn't really do that. It, it, well, it kind of does, but it's like everyone's fucking dead. So it's kind of like, who gives a shit anymore? I mean, everyone's been dead on the planet practically since the end of, uh, well, since the beginning of Extinction, part three. So it, it just, I've got a shit list for this fucking movie. And it bugs me because I don't want this movie to fucking suck. But, my shit list. Let me go through it really quick. I'm going to go through just a quick fucking shit. All right? Or a quick shit list. Did you do that, Rick? I'm, I'm going to do it, Morty. Okay? Just listen to me. I got to do it. Do, do, do your thing. <laughs> so, it's got... The action is not that badly filmed. There's a lot of decently good filmed action. I want to point something out. What? In case anybody cares, I was taking a piss in the bathroom. The thinking spot, right? Okay, and you thought of something. Didn't yes. You? Go ahead. Marketing teams, these fucking studios are missing out big time on marketing with these with these franchises. Uh-huh. Now, hear me out, because I may be completely fucking flipped on this one. You're not going to say you have black black friends. Are I, you? I don't have I don't have many friends. Okay, because you know when people <laughs> say hear me out, they're usually going to say something really bad after that. Hear me out. I'm not a racist, but hear me out. <laughs> If you are going, if you're doing a franchise, you know you're doing a franchise when you're a movie studio anyway. So if you're doing a franchise, yeah, why aren't you marketing this as if it were a corporation? You have the Umbrella Corporation, yeah. So you do a thirty-second TV shot of the Umbrella Corporation, the Umbrella Corporation, bringing bringing humanity together. They did that, and then they they flash on like Alice, and then they keep doing these fucking commercials, even beyond. When the movie has been released, yeah, they just keep making these commercials like Intel Inside, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, dun, 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 but they do it like Umbrella, yeah. Now I'm gonna go to the next level on this one because again, these companies are missing the fucking, they're missing big time on advertising the shit out of this stuff, yeah. When you do something like a Marvel film or even a Star Wars film, right? Yeah, you could do a complete marketing campaign that covers you from film to film where you are like Iron Man. They, they could have done a whole Stark Industries commercial like Intel. 
They could have done, you know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or Civil War or Captain America, you know, you know, especially during the fucking elections. Yeah. You know, these are opportunities mm -hmm. where they could have just, you know, Doctor Strange. He's a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily have to have the actors in there, but you could you could advertise the hospital or whatever. You could advertise Thrive. it. Exactly. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Have you been, you know, have you or your loved one been in an accident? Please contact us because we are looking for patients, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then it's a 555 number or whatever. Yeah. Or you have you have these, these fucking lawyer things where have you been injured? And by, you know, in a superhero fight, contact the law, the law offices of J. Jonah Jameson or whoever, right? Yeah. It, the shit writes itself. I'm not a marketing genius, but goddamn, that's genius. You remember when Man of Steel came out and you suggested that what they should have done with their marketing campaign was to take the Zod, um, salt and pepper fucking staticky transmission he sent to the people of Earth. Yeah. And fucking market the movie that way. And don't show any clips from the movie. Just show that. Yeah. Z -z yeah. And in you different languages, too. Zod. Like, yeah. since we're in America, you would do an all Spanish version. Well, you, you could do, do that. And you do an all English version. You would just keep it like Kryptonian. Uh -huh. Like, he would be speaking in Kryptonian. Uh -huh. So whatever he's saying, no one understands, right? And you have to have, like, fucking disclaimers and everything in case people get all wacky because war of the world's it, yeah. stupid people. But... He would just be standing there, and he and you would hear him say something Kryptonian, Cal L. Yeah, right. And and he would hold up, you know, there would be a, a hologram of Cal L, not in his Superman suit, but, yeah. You know what he would look like, and basically what he's saying is, I am looking for Cal L, and this is what he look he would look like today. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> and it just goes on from there, and then you would have like a fucking Daily Planet commercial. Mm -hmm. The Daily Planet, where all the news is fit to puke. Yeah, they um they did that with one of the Resident Evil movies. I can't remember if it was Apocalypse or Afterlife, which was part four. Um, but they did this thing where it, it was the Umbrella Corporation, and they talked about some kind of perfume or something. Yeah, and all they and they showed the the model, and the model looks beautiful. Then all of a sudden, right at the end of the commercial all the bright colors turn start turning dark and then her face starts you start seeing all the veins appear in her face see i wouldn't have done that i would have just done you know like a fucking johnny depp commercial yeah you know sabaton but at least they tried something you know to 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 integrate the whole right. umbrella thing it, but there has been six movies yeah. since 2002 yeah so that's a movie every 2 years right yeah yeah the, the, this movie that just came out there was a four-year gap, and that was the longest gap that they've ever had. Every right. uh, every time before that was either two or three years. But if you have if you have a franchise, why the fuck are you not marketing the shit out of it, like Intel, like Microsoft or Apple? Uh huh. You know, you could parody anything. Well, yeah, and they can also they could viral market the fuck out of it. I know, which is free. All you have to do is just do this wonderful marketing thing, and. Uh, Come on, fucking Marvel releases a goddamn movie every year. Yeah. That's nine months of marketing they have to do anyways. Yeah, and this year they're releasing three. Yeah, so why not Why not take advantage of it and use that to market the shit out of it? Plus, you got the DVD release. So you market, market, market the Stark stuff. People would know it's going to be fucking Tony Stark, but if you make good commercials, you know, uh -huh. 
we're committed to peace throughout the you know world or universe in this case. Yeah. You know, or Guardians of the Galaxy. You could you could do a fucking alien commercial for Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Where it, it would just show you know. Uh, I'm, I'm going to steal the Star did, Wars cantina. What but if you did racial indifference? You could do that too. You know, and then uh, people of different races coming together. But it would together. be all in in a completely different language, yeah. in an alien language, right? Uh-huh. Hire me. <laughs> I know, man. I know. You, like, But I can give you the simple answer to say why they didn't do that with Man of Steel. And the simple answer is this. Because it's not me. Studios... Don't think that that moviegoers are smart enough to realize what they're seeing, and so they have to dumb things down and make things safe and simple. Wouldn't that be 20th Century Fox? Yeah, doesn't Fox own? Yeah, Warner. And so they have to show you everything in a movie now to make you come want to see it. You know, there's no surprise. Remember how the Godzilla movie from 2014? The trailers made that movie look way better than it was, and it's not a bad movie, but the trailers made it look even more awesome than it was. Right? I mean. It, I mean, just fucking great. Less is more, right? So, dude, I know you romanced the fucking stone out of us. All yeah, right? okay, it was all, it was all me. It wasn't it wasn't your all fucking. Right. So, since you had your bathroom epiphany, um, seventy five minute Resident Evil fucking rant. Since you've had your bathroom epiphany, I'm not going to go through my quick my quick list. It, I would do it. All right, the action scenes aren't bad, but they did a shitload of quick shot editing. Which is fucking annoying, and I hate it. I can't stand it. It's like they don't have enough faith in their action sequences to show each moment for more, each you know camera angle for more than a second or two. Instead, it's this quick blip, 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 blip. It's like I'm watching a fast-paced porno or something. You know, multiple angles and shit. Is fucking stop it. I, I can't stand it. Anyway, um, I already said that it discards uh, the popular characters from from the other films and, and video games as an afterthought. All right. It, it treats barely established characters as um, having tragic deaths, right? When they do die, especially uh, Ruby Rose's character. Right. They even did the fucking slow motion look of Alice's face, like and eyes full of tears and shit. And you know, you're re- just repeating yourself, right? What we've already established all this stuff. Yeah, quickly. All right. Um, they had a cool idea for the Hive return, okay, and and then. Then they blow it by having all this new shit in there instead of trying to go back to what made the hive so fucking cool. Okay. Right? And then they then they get to it at the end where there's barely any time to be in the fucking hive, right? Right. Um, <laughs> uh, the big reveal, you know, about... The, the, the triumvirate of bitches? The whole, whole... The trinity of bitches. Yeah. And you know what? I'll get... Ian Glenn is what saves this movie for me. And I always forget that he's the guy... He's fucking... He's a guy in love with Khaleesi on Game of Thrones. I always forget that he's it, that's him. Yeah, well, he's dead now. The actor? Yeah, the actor. He's dead now. No, no, the character? He didn't die yet. He's, he's dying. Well, I know, but he hasn't he's turned. He's turn in one of those statues. But he hasn't done it yet. <laughs> Sorry, he hasn't done it yet, Morty. I can't I can't tell you why. He yeah, just Don't, don't he, step on my toes he, with the voices. He just dick. hasn't done it yet, Morty. You asshole. <laughs> I can't do I can't do uh, Morty dude. It's not, I think it's funny that Royland does both both of them. Genius. And I can't do Rick. You know what I'm saying, Morty? Yeah. Come on, Morty. <laughs> I, I can't do it, but I can do Morty. <laughs> not on that one, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Know what I'm saying? Right? Yeah. Okay. Um the um yeah, Ian Ian Glenn as Dr. Isaacs, 
his he just he saves this movie from being a complete waste of time because he's such a such a good asshole in this movie as the villain, right? And Wesker, who is the guy you love to hate in the video game series, Wesker in the in these movies, he just gets worse and worse. He he has less to say with each movie that that, that shows up, and in this movie, he has no he had these fucking huge special powers before, and now this time, he just yeah he just dies with a simple bomb. You know he's laying there, something's holding him down. It, bye bye Wesker, we're done with you. It, to me, even though this ending, the ending for this movie is like it's climactic, it feels anticlimactic for me. There was nothing climactic about it. it the awful. whole death of all everyone, all the bad people, and then the whole the collapsing of all the zombies because of the you know the the antivirus you know being sent out. Now, I will say this: that scene was really fucking cool. I liked how just hordes of them are just collapsing in front of her. I liked how that was done. That was well done. But then it sells out on itself because. You know, the the whole movie sets it up that she's gonna die with this, right? And then she doesn't fucking die. They 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 sell it out at the end where, oh, that was just a lie to motivate you to see if you truly were in it to save everybody. Get the fuck out of here. I, escape from New York. Yeah, exactly. They escaped from New York her. Yeah, the Plutoxin virus is gonna kill you in twenty four hours. Oh. I I reset your watch. <laughs> so Oh thanks. So yeah, thanks, it, it just and then I went on a site on IMDb, or I went on the, the movie's uh, IMDb page. and All right, so, yeah, it, pretty much this movie is full of fucking plot holes. And when I went on IMDb and read people's comments, there was a comment thread about all the plot holes. This guy had a list of, like, 30 things of all the plot holes in this movie. It's just way and, too much time. And it, but, a waste. But, it, but still, it like, I was like, holy shit, I didn't even notice that, 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 that. And I'm like, fuck, dude. But who fucking cares? It's, but what, I, what I'm trying to say is it, that shows how inconsistent the writing is with these films. I, I know that, but you have different writers. You don't have the same fucking team working on these movies. And that's not an excuse. That is not an excuse. Yeah. But for someone... And this this shit annoys me. For someone to go through and like, oh, the Star Wars, the huge Star <laughs> Wars plot hole, like Tatooine. Yeah. Well, how come Darth Vader doesn't know that Obi Wan Kenobi's on Tatooine? Uh, uh, because the reason why he's hiding on Tatooine is he can fucking disguise himself. Yeah. And he can hide his Force powers. Well, how did how does he not know that Luke is so powerful in the Force? Because Luke doesn't know that he's powerful in the Force. Yeah. So, and he. Kenobi is there to disguise it, but Vader's never on planet. Yeah. No, 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 just look, the movie came out last week and the guy already had his huge list. Like he already knew. I know, but it's garbage. It's not, it is. It's, it's, it's a fucking gigantic waste of time. You know what I'm saying? Who cares that he has a, it's not your fault. Who cares that this dude sat there and wrote 30 fucking plot holes who ha- who fucking has that time? It just to me it, it shows. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah, I, I and I get it. I, I it just shows me that which is ironic this person, because we're fucking talking about a movie I we know. just saw. It just it shows me that this person who was so invested in the series found out that many plot holes that quickly after the movie has just come out. That's it shows how badly written this movie was and this series overall. Right, but. Anybody that invests this much time uh-huh. in this type of series, <laughs> yeah, come on, yeah. So, um, and, th- and this is not this is a knock on these movies because they're not good. 
Yeah, we're I, not talking Lord of the Rings. We're not talking the Star Wars stuff or even the prequels, whether you like them or not. <laughs> we're not fucking discussing that. No. We're talking about a video game series that the first one didn't do well. The second one, eh, and it's continued on. There's six of them, and each time it's the same shit. Yeah, and you know what pissed me off is the fourth movie started off with this awesome sequence in Tokyo with this cool musical beat. And then a lit girl turning into a zombie in a crowd of people with in the rain, and it was so beautifully shot and done. You're like, holy fuck, this is this is promising. Like they're gonna start doing these movies right. And no, it was just that sequence that was cool. And that's this series. It has moments, and then but they're not they're not enough. So what was our uh, Rotten Tomatoes prediction on this? Uh, what was yours? What do you think? It if was? I had to guess, I would probably say twenty five. Twenty five. Really? I would say twenty five. You know, is that this? You need. I can't believe you still got the 2016. I though. keep it there. Yes, you were right. Holy shit! Okay, mine was 36. Okay, uh, well, Mike, you are the winner because as of today, it is at 38 percent hmm. approval rating, which is better than a lot of the other Resident Evil. Movies. However, my my score, yeah, my guess, and my score are two different things. Usually, yeah. they're right on with this is going to be a three. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I gave this movie a three point five out of ten. Oh, okay, that's what I was gonna give it. Um, yeah, it, there's dude, look, I'm pretty sure this isn't gonna fall in my bottom five of the year when we're all said and done with 2017, but it's still nothing to write home about. Um, yeah, this is this is not a worst of. Yeah, it's just that disappointment sets in after six of these fucking films, yeah. and there's nothing more to give. Look. When Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 2 ended, I fucking missed it. I missed it as it was happening, and then I watched it again immediately afterwards in the theater, and I missed it again, and I knew I was always going to miss it because I, I fell in love with the film series. This one, when it ends, I didn't give a shit. I didn't care. I, it wasn't It wasn't the end. It wasn't Terminator 2 Judgment Day. You know what I mean? It wasn't anything ending. It wasn't, oh, it just, fuck, it's over. Okay, bye. Thank you. Thanks for the effort or the lack of all right so <laughs> now since you've already done your um flick of the week mine hold on hold on what no we're what? gonna do something else what oh here are you ready oh senior ambushy yes i'm ambushing you to to break up the reviews the monotony are you ready to do this what when is now now <laughs> are you ready to do this all right who am i you are you can either be dark helmet or the corporal Sanders, Colonel Sanders. Prepare ship. <laughs> Prepare ship. <laughs> Damn it! Why are there? How many people are in there's, there? There's there's Sanders, there's Corporal, and then there's Helmet. Are we doing this, Rick and Morty? Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. Keep firing, assholes! All right. Uh, I shall be. Corporal will be read by either one of us in a normal voice. You know what? Helmet would sound more like uh, Rick because Rick's an asshole. Right. So I think I should be Helmet. Okay. All right. All right. Interior. Spaceball one. Space Helmet. It's not Space Helmet. It's Dark Helmet. Sanders and Corporal are watching the radar. <laughs> Have you found them yet? <laughs> no, Lord Helmet. We're still not on the... They're still not on the scanners. Well, keep looking for them. Pardon me, sir. I I have an idea. Corporal, get me the video cassette of Spaceballs the movie. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> the corporal walks to a label, a wall, 
Labeled Mr. Rental, the wall opens and he looks through the selections. Colonel Sanders, may I speak with you, please? Yeah, yes, yeah, sir. How could there be a cassette of Spaceballs the movie? We're still in the middle of making it. That's true, sir, but there's been a new breakthrough in home video marketing. There has? Yes, instant cassettes. They're out in stores before the movie's finished. Nah. Here it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> Here it is, sir. Spaceballs. Good work, Corporal. Punch it up. The Corporal starts the tape. It starts on the FBI warning. This started too much Started much too early. Prepare to fast forward. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Preparing saying. to fast forward. Fast forward. Fast forwarding, sir. The corporal starts fast forwarding through the ludicrous speed scene. Helmet is thrown into the panel at a high speed. No. <laughs> Go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play it again. Try, try, try here. Stop. The movie stops at the exact same thing that is actually happening now. Helmet looks at the camera. Then he turns back to the monitor. Sander looks at the, Sanders looks at the camera when Helmet looks back to the monitor. Then he turns. Then he looks back to the monitor. Helmet looks at the camera when Sanders looks back at the monitor. When Helmet turns back, he waves his hand. He turns back to the camera. What the hell am I looking at? When does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that ha happens now is happening now. What happened to then? We passed then. When? Just now. We're at now now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will we be now? Corporal rewinds the tape. He stops at the point when Lone Star, Barf, Vespa, and Dot are walking through the de desert. Soon. How soon? Sir. What? We've identified their location. Where? It's it's the moon of Vega. Good, good work. S set a course and prepare for our arrival. When? 1900 hours, sir. By, by high noon tomorrow, th they'll be our prisoners. Who? I had to do that. Because <laughs> I love this. It's great that I, I know that scene from the movie, so I, I could just... <laughs> when? Now? Ooh. No. Don't, don't, don't ever go back here. <laughs> In fact, don't ever play that part again. <laughs> Lone Star. <laughs> All right. So, look, I've got plenty of other movies for I, uh, that I've seen recently that I can do for, like, next week's. Flick of the week. So I'm just going to do a quickie on my my flick of the week. You're going to do a quickie, Rick? All right. So mine is the 2014 film Camp X-Ray. A quickie? Um, it is written and directed by a man named Peter Settler who- um, I saw this. You're still doing the Rick voice, by the way. Am I? Yeah. Okay. This, <laughs> this is kind of funny. God damn it. So I, it, I saw this on Netflix and um, I passed it over. <laughs> it is a good drama. Um, it's set- in I would I would assume it's set around 2010 um, at, at Guantanamo Bay, Gitmo, um, with all of the detainees um, from the Iraq War. Um, you know, like uh, suspicious uh, prisoners. You know, for uh, you know Al Qaeda and Taliban shit, right? Related type stuff. So it's Sattler, the director. He actually um, used WikiLeaks. Um, files that you know release files on Guantanamo Bay procedures to um, write this movie so that um, all of the the procedures that the actual characters do the actual soldiers do in this movie are accurate and he also um, consulted with a Muslim uh, community on how um, Muslims act in you know stuff like that and so anyway the guy did his research when he when he made this movie uh, when he wrote it and directed this film get and so it starts it starts Kristen Stewart 
as a PFC who goes to Gitmo and she has she's um, her job there is suicide watch. So she's in a in, in a hallway with another soldier and they slowly walk by these windows of where these detainees because they're not allowed to be called prisoners because that's against the Geneva Accords. So all of these people being held for years and years and years are called detainees. That's their little, you know, loophole, right? Right. And um but what I like about this movie is that it never does um it never gets political. It never does, you know, the rights and wrongs of what's going on. It's just showing you what's happening and then that's it. And you make your own judgments on if it's right or wrong or what or for or if it's being exaggerated. Anyway, her character is on the suicide watch and you know, they just keep walking by windows and they're not allowed to have their names on their shirts. They're not allowed to um, give any personal information if they talk to any of the uh, detainees, anything like that. Well, eventually she builds a relationship with one of the prisoners or detainees there. Um, A man who at the beginning of the film, they show him being nabbed and they don't show if what he was doing is criminal or not. All you saw was he had a bunch of cell phones on a table and then he started praying to Allah, and then boom, he gets the shit thrown over his head. <laughs> you said boom. <laughs> and then he gets sent to uh, to, uh, to Gitmo, right? So anyway, um, she finds out about his character um, as this whole film does. I think it goes over the span of like a, a year or so. And as she builds a relationship with him, he starts to tell her things about himself, and she starts to say a few things here and there, but she still you know, keeps things, th- per- you know, not fully personal or you know what I mean so what this movie it becomes intimate and it becomes intimate in a way where it's it's not like a love story it never becomes like a love story it becomes a story of two people that come to understand each other and they're in a place where neither one of them want to be they're miserable but they find each other and they're able and that's their escape in this place is them talking to each other at times when no one else is in earshot right and there's cool little payoffs with the movie. Um, there's one, like there's a mention of um, of his character. The guy's name, the character's name is um, Ali Amir. And he uh, <laughs> he's reading, he, he gets to read a book, you know, when they come through with the little cart and stuff. And he's going through the Harry Potter series of books and he's waiting for the final book. And he's like, he, he, he keeps yelling at people like, where's the fucking final book, right? Because he wants to finish the series, and everyone keeps giving him the runaround. And there's this, there's this really good payoff at the end of the movie that I'm not going to give away, but it, you can already tell what it probably is by me by, by me mentioning. He gets it. the book, but it's done in a way that's it's it, it makes it feel more personal, and it's it's just good. It's a good drama, um, and it's like I said, it's never preachy. It's just it just feels like matter of factly. These people are stuck here for whatever reason. Either they're good or they're bad, but they're still stuck here. And and then these soldiers are stuck here too. And, you know, and they don't have a life. They're not allowed to really do anything. And the, <laughs> both sides have problems, you know. And anyway, good movie. Uh, I like movies that don't get political, and this movie does not. It just tells a story, and then it makes you care about these characters. Um, there's a... Uh, an appearance from John Carroll Lynch in a couple scenes. Anyone who knows John Carroll Lynch, he played Twisty the Clown on American Horror Story, and he was on Walking Dead. He's the guy who trained uh, uh, Morgan's character how to fight with a stick. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, 
I highly recommend Camp X-Ray. It's a good drama. Just don't expect um, a bunch of action or anything like that. It's not really like that. Okay? Right. All right? Okay. Camp X-Ray. All right. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. I was going to get into a big thing with news, but we're really deep into this one. So I'll just make a quick mention. Uh, ben Affleck is not going to be directing the Batman movie now. He's still going to be producing it um, and I think writing it and, of course, starring in it. Um, he said that, uh, and this is funny because I brought this up during fucking light, Live by Night, was that I think he took on too many duties and you're like, well, you know, you, you got to keep testing yourself, which is great. But I'm thinking, it's just funny that he had all these on his plate now for the Batman and he realized that he had too much on his plate for it. So he stepped away from directing duties or he's at least stepping away from full on directing duties because there's kind of in his statement kind of hinted at me that he's going to be co-directing it instead of full on directing it. Possibly. I don't, I don't know. know. I didn't read the statement. Don't care. But I give props to Affleck because no matter how much shit the meat, you know, the, 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 the quote unquote fans are giving him, you know, cause they don't want him to be Batman or whatever. He, he's still committed to the project and, and he knew what he, his limitations were and he's, he's, he wants to make a good movie. So until we see a shitty movie, cause it's still Warner brothers, I, I, I'm, that makes me a little optimistic for his project. As, okay. the, as the Batman. All Kevin right. Smith should direct it. That's all I have to say. And someone recommended that on, on the comment feed that I read, and I, I, I did a thumbs up on it because I totally agree. Great. Kevin Smith should fucking direct it. You made Batman. your opinion stated. Exactly. <laughs> it would condescend me. <laughs> um, all right. They finally announced, holy shit, has it been so long? They finally announced that um, the four Avatar sequels that, that Jim, Jim Cameron, James that James Cameron has been planning James Gum for so long for Avatar are going to finally they're going to start filming the motion capture scenes in uh, August of this year he's been working on the fucking film for the last eight years yeah he's been whatever and look yeah, and you're going to have all the naysayers and look the first movie is is not the greatest of stories but it was still a good movie overall and all this effort that he's putting into this this is James Cameron okay this isn't fucking I know Huey Bowl or or fucking W. Paul W. S. Anderson. This is James Cameron. He knows what the fuck he's doing. He's been playing this for forever. He hell. He's been. He wrote he, all of these. Uh, this. Everyone thinks. Oh, it's taking you forever to film these. But he's been doing pre-production the whole time. That's been his business. He says, "I'm in the Avatar business right now." And dude, this shows that he is. He's taking his time. He's not rushing it. And I think that at least part two is going to be awesome. I don't know about after that, but. James Cameron, dude, he's a good director. So, uh, thanks for your input, Mike. <laughs> and then, uh, lastly, I saw that um, Sony. And now this, this, I don't know. If, I think this is bad reporting because I can't tell if this is for the full year or just the quarter. But it says for the fourth quarter of last year, Sony's entertainment um, division of mo- movie entertainment division reported a $962 million uh, operations loss. Don't even care. It's fucking useless. And numbers. they said that they don't plan to sell, that they're still profitable, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. I, I, I wanted to get your opinion on it because I wanted to hear, like, you know... They're useless numbers. Yeah. <clears throat> Corporations have to file their taxes. They have to, They have to do things for the shareholder. They have to... What's the word I'm looking for? Project. That's what the word I'm uh-huh. looking for. <clears throat> they have to project earnings. 
So when you have a company that says they did a $962 million loss for the fourth quarter, <clears throat> generally I read it's read as the company the company was projected to do a dollar, okay? Yeah. And it did ten cents. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Right? But the previous year it did five cents. So it's doubled its profits. Yeah. All right. So their their operating costs were negative nine hundred or ninety cents. So they give it a high prediction and then they then they record it as a a, a huge loss. Well they no, they don't they're not they're not just throwing a dart against a dartboard. I mean, they're projected. They projected to make this much money this year, and they're supposed to make more money the next year. Instead yeah. of, well, we made five hundred million dollars. Well, we're going to predict that we're going to make a billion dollars next year based off of current estimates. Yeah. Right. But and then instead of making a billion, they made seven hundred fifty, and then they can write that off as a two hundred fifty million dollar loss. Yeah. That's the way I I read it. Well, Sony's full of shit. They didn't make. They didn't lose nine hundred sixty-two billion dollars. Was it a million? Mil, nine hundred sixty-two million or billion? Million. I was gonna say that. Okay, they didn't, that's a lot of bees. Yeah. They didn't lose nine hundred. They didn't lose a billion dollars. That sounds insane. It, it was a write down based off of things that have happened in the last year since the internship or the interview. The interview. Thank you. Since the interview came out. And that movie was wasn't really released in theaters. That was part of that whole quote unquote loss thing, the hacking thing. But yeah, they they expected the interview to make X amount of money, and it didn't. It made X amount of money. It made a bunch of streaming money. I know that. I, I know. But let's just say that the movie was predicted to make a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Right. And whatever the budget was of ten or twelve or fifteen or twenty million dollars. Yeah. Let's say it doubled that, and let's say it made forty million dollars. But they predicted it was going to make a hundred million. Yeah. Well, that's an operating loss of sixty million dollars. <laughs> you see where I'm going with that? Yeah. So now they have nine hundred million more to go. So, how much of it is an actual operating loss? I, it was probably sixty. The rest is all just fluff numbers. It's bullshit. Yeah. You know, not. I mean, how many companies can survive a billion dollar loss? It's, it's a write down. I think you're probably right, man. You know, they make they they made all this money with the PlayStation Three and the PlayStation Four and all this other shit. Sony's making money, fucking. Look, they got a bunch of money jerk off machines, and they have a they have their fucking corporate alliance sitting there under underneath the money jerk off machines, taking shots to the face, quarters, nickels, dimes, and dollars. <laughs> and that's all I got to say on that. That's all I got with that. Oh, well, shit. Huh. As far as the other thing that you were talking about, the Ben Affleck, and, and what was the other thing? Um, tells you I've been paying attention. Oh, it was Ben Affleck and um, uh, Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. He's been working on Avatar for so long that this whole pre-production thing is... is He's not in pre-production. He's full-on production. He's probably in pre-production... You know, for the overall series, and he's yeah. working on like three or four right now. You know, episode three or episode four or whatever you want to call it. But the fact of the matter is, is that he he's doing a pre-production of an animated movie. Yeah. Catch my drift on that one. Yeah. So all he has to do is just green screen his guys in, and he can just use fill-in templates for the people that he wants. So he already has all the actors that he wants in the movie. Right, yeah. it's just a matter of getting those actors to commit to the movie. 
And if they can't commit to the movie, he just replaces them. That's how it works in animation. Oh, I don't, his face, take it out. The interview had a $44 million budget. Oh. I decided to go through my notebook to find it instead of looking it up. The interview. Yeah. Damn, dude. I've I've used this notebook since episode 77. Okay. Age of Extinction. And we are now on 215. Holy shit. Damn, this note, and I'm on the final stretch of this notebook too. I've got like, I don't know, like 20. Yeah, the pages. box office was 11 million. The budget was 44 million. So I had those backwards. So it's a 33 million dollar loss. Yeah, but again, they were probably they're probably projecting it to be 100 million dollars, and it wasn't a 100 million dollar movie because they got too afraid that these fake people from, you know, the fake, the fake bad people. We're trying to blow them up and kill people in a movie theater because ugh, I don't even want to get into this. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> An overreaction to a goddamn movie. How does the interview have a 51% approval rating? It's on Rotten Tomatoes. <sighs> the movie's funny. It's full of energy. It's, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I don't even, dude, I don't fucking care. Exactly. I all right, so it's time to move on. The next movie that we're going to be seeing on Cinescape Movie Reviews is going to be Spilt. <laughs> the M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong movie Split. Uh because there's nothing else out. And you know what, James McAvoy, we could see him playing a schizo. So we're going to go see him sure. play a schizo. Okay? okay? So, we'll let you know how that movie is and uh, whatever other shit pops into our heads as always. For Cinescape Movie Reviews. I am Joe Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. Good night. Yeah. Goodbye. Uh, about fucking time. Shut it the fuck down. Uh. Good show. Jolly good show. Jolly good show indeed. Hakuna Matata, bitches. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And please remember, share the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. What is it, Joe? Yeah. You see that little button over there? Yeah? Yes. All you what do? button? The little share button. Which button is that? It says share. Sometimes it's a little arrow that goes in a circle. Regardless, it's there. Or more. So share. Share. Share that podcast. Click that shit. <laughs> it's simple. Please. We put we do put some work into this. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not as much as we should. But still. All you have to do is click the share button. Yeah. Click anything that says share. Like on our movie reviews, there's a Facebook share and a Google Plus. Pick one. We Sp prefer Facebook, but, you know. Spread the love. Help us grow. Spread the love, and we will spread our legs open for you. No, we won't. I take showers. Well, what is that one? Show the balls? <laughs> open your balls. Open your balls. <laughs> Share, uh, yeah, share, share the, share the show. Share the hell out of it. <laughs> share. Give her some love. I sound like little Nicky. <laughs> Have a good night. Share. This is the end. This is the end. Finito! The end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Or go fuck yourself.